What is going on, beautiful people? I am your host, Armand Lee, welcoming you all to the 86th episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. Can you believe 2018 is almost over? 2018 has been a crazy year. The first half of the year went by so slow, but since summer, and it's flown by so fast. So we're going to finish up the year super strong, getting into the holiday spirit with my family, Sadiq Abdul, joining me this week. And every time Cousin Dick is on the show, y'all know he gets the opportunity to let me and the world know if I am crazy with some of my sports takes. So you're not going to want to miss that interview. Plus, man, who is the king of R&B? That has been a topic that has been filling up the timeline for a full week. And I'm going to give you my opinion on the king of R&B. You're not going to want to miss that or any other topic this week. But without further ado, we're going to get the show rocking with our first topic this week. First quarter. If you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know I live right outside the D.C. metropolitan area. I actually live probably like five or six miles away from FedEx Field. And while the NFL isn't my favorite sport, it's hard to talk about sports and not pay attention to the league because the league dominates everything in our society. I mean, even if you're not a sports fan, right? The world kind of shuts down on Super Bowl Sunday and society kind of revolves around the NFL, especially on Sundays. You know, it's church and football when it comes to a day of the week, really, you know. And if you listen to this show, you also know I've kind of waged a war on certain philosophies and narratives that exist as it pertains to the National Football League, because I feel like. The league makes so there's so much money surrounding the game and so many of these ideas and principles that are significant pillars in this sport are so silly that I'm just waiting for someone who has the independent mind to also acknowledge, you know what, everything that everyone is doing is wrong. Let me zig while everyone else is zagging and Watch how much success I will have because of it. You know, a few weeks ago, I talked about the Browns and how they kind of tried to adopt the quote-unquote process from the NBA and the Philadelphia 76ers. And while they were a laughing stock of the league for like, I mean, I guess you could say for a full three years, and while Sashi Brown really only had a year and a half to kind of man this idea, you're seeing the fruits of their labor pay off now, where the Cleveland Browns, somehow some way are an attractive destination for a head coaching candidates all of their young talented players all of the picks that they were able to to get because they flipped they just kind of tanked it worked it just didn't work in a fast process but nothing worth having happens overnight we all know this we've all heard the cliches but man i can't move away from the quarterback position because Every time you turn on the television, every time you turn on the radio, the idea that you need a quarterback to win in today's NFL is a talking point that is exhausting. And it's a talking point that's exhausting because history tells you that's not necessarily true. Case in point, this past Monday night, Kirk Cousins, again, I live outside of D.C., so whether you're, if you're not in the D.C. area, I understand how this sounds crazy, 
But believe me, and every all of the listeners who do listen in this area, y'all know, radio and print even, in this town, when it comes to football, spend so much attention on Minnesota because of Kirk Cousins. It's it's some of the it's the strangest thing. It truly is. Like if Kirk Cousins was, you know, Steve Young. And he, you know when Tampa let go of Steve Young and then Steve Young turns out to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I would get if Tampa Bay Bucks fans, you know, were like, "Man, and Tampa Radio was like, Slim, we could have had that. I would understand that. I would understand if, you know, the, uh, I'm trying to think of another quarterback, like San Diego. And when they watch Drew Brees and like, Slim, we could have had Drew Brees. And even though they have Phillip Rivers, they could have had Drew Brees. And if you're a San Diego fan, if that kicks, like, if that like just, needles you to this day I would understand that as well we're talking about all-time great players all-time legends icons DC does this with Kirk who is a good player I'm not trying to this is not a topic about Kirk Cousins mind you and I'm not trying to assassinate this man's talent or his character because Kirk and I say this all the time he's so much better than I initially ever thought he would be and he deserves that And I applaud him in a sport like football where GMs and owners always get over on players. I'm glad he's getting over on the Vikings. I'm glad he worked the system. But my goodness, living in D.C., it is hard to maintain that level of appreciation for Kirk because so many of the personalities, they just, they, it feels as if they're in love with him. I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that, man. And it's all, it's so many of them, many of whom I actually enjoy when they're not talking about him. And it's not just one guy. Grant Paulson gets a lot of the heat here, but it's not just him. Steve Zabin, Kevin Sheehan, you know, the, the list goes on and on. They just love Kirk and They have talked themselves into a position where to rationalize their love for him, they just completely ignore recent trends in historical perspective. Again, y'all know me, right? If I don't respect someone or respect what they do, I'm not going to name them because I feel like bringing attention to anyone, especially if it's out of negativity, is like, that's just not a smart move. It's a fool's exercise. So I'm naming these people. I may not enjoy their shows, but I re- at least respect what they do. You feel me? So Tuesday after, you know, the Vikings lost, you had people before Mike Zimmer let go of, I don't even know how to pronounce the Vikings' former offensive coordinator. So let's just call him OC Flip, right? It's flip something. You know, I'm listening to the midday show on one of the radio stations and they're talking with two huge Kirk Cousins fans and they're talking about, oh man, the Vikings in their 1967 outdated offense and Mike Zimmer just wants to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball and I don't know if he's paying attention. You can't win in today's NFL running the football. And I'm thinking to myself, hold on, man. Y'all two are smart football observers at least, right? 
And I just wish someone on that show or a caller, because I'm not calling into them, because I don't listen into the, I don't listen to them that often. But their producer was one a, a former guest on this show, and someone who was a former colleague, and I have the utmost respect for him. But I'm thinking to myself, hold on, this narrative that you have to win in the NFL and how running games are outdated and you try to win while running is a fool's errand. And I'm thinking to myself, how, how can you guys say this? Seattle won on Monday night because they are the best running team in the league and one of the best defenses in the league. You think it's going to be easy to beat them in the postseason? Who's leading the NFC East? The Dallas Cowboys. By doing what exactly? Playing amazing defense and running the ball. Yes, Amari Cooper has been a godsend, but the most important player on that offense is Ezekiel Elliott. Over in the AFC side, y'all can talk to me about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Y'all can talk to me about the the LA Chargers. Y'all can talk to me about Philip, or I'm sorry, Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay? I've been convinced since this season started that the Patriots are going to come out of the AFC. But if there is one team who I feel will beat the Patriots, it's the Houston Texans. And how are the Texans built? Defense running game and they've got an explosive quarterback who is a dual threat and they've got if about the best receiver in football the second best receiver in football in my opinion right but that team is built through their defense and i haven't even gotten to the chicago bears the chicago bears are easily one of the best teams in the league i would not be surprised in the slightest if they are representing the nfc in the super bowl how could two people who who watched the NFL, two people who pay attention and talk ad nauseum about the NFL completely ignore those four teams that I just laid out because all each of those four teams are built by running and defense. So no, it's not some archaic outdated philosophy that you have to run the ball to win in the NFL. And again, you don't have to go too far in the history books. Minnesota last year, They had an awful offensive line, just like they had now. But you know what? They stuck to the run. And they were quite good at it. People will tell you that the Vikings can't run the football. They average 4.1 yards a carry as a team. That's pretty good. They just don't get any carries. And it's also not a coincidence that... The more once Minnesota started running the ball more, the defense started getting better. It's something that happened here in Washington between last year and this year, at least the first part of this year. It's not a coincidence that once the offense, you know, their time of possession goes down and down, they stop dominating time of possession, the defense starts getting worse and worse. I feel like that's a direct correlation. The longer the defense is on the field, the more tired they are, the more tired the defense is. The, the 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 worst they play. I don't believe in coincidence, but I don't think that's somehow some type of outlandish idea. I think that's pretty much common sense yet, and we see it in Minnesota. Once the Vikings started committing to the run more, the defense started improving. But these guys, the Kurt lovers, start saying, hey, Mike Zimmer's crazy for trying to use the run game in today's NFL because you can't win pounding the football. And again, 
I'm looking around and I'm saying, well, I just named you four teams. Raise your hand if you think it would be shocking if two of those four teams are playing in the conference championship Sunday because I don't think it's shocking at all. I'd be willing to bet money that the Chicago Bears are playing on championship Sunday. Be willing to put money on that. Now, we don't know how the seedings will shake out. We don't even know who's going to have home field because I think the Saints, if if the road to the, to the Super Bowl goes through New Orleans, it's going to be tough to knock them off. If you got to play the Saints in New Orleans, it's going to be tough. But I wouldn't put it past Chicago. And if the Saints don't have home field advantage, oh, well, then I'm thinking Chicago or Seattle could beat the Rams on the road. That's I don't think that's some out of the question at all. And then I told you how I feel about the Texans. So why is it that we continue to do this? You need a quarterback to win in today's NFL. In today's NFL, you need a quarterback. No, you don't. Nick Foles literally just won Super Bowl MVP. He just did it. Last year's Super Bowl, or I'm sorry, Conference Championship Sunday, saw Tom Brady, and we've talked ad nauseum how Tom Brady is lightning in the bottle. You cannot replicate Tom Brady in the Patriot success. You just can't do it. But it also featured Nick Foles, Case Keenum, Blake Bortles. That's in, quote-unquote, today's NFL, right? Defense and running game. Seattle has been to two of the most, of two of the last, what, six, six Super Bowls? By doing what? Defense, running games. They should have went 2-0 during those Super Bowl games. They went 1-1. They would have went 2-0 had they ran the ball one more time. The following season, Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers played Peyton Manning in the Denver Broncos. And the only reason the Broncos won that Super Bowl is because Peyton Manning, who at the time, and this is not an exaggeration, was playing one of the worst quarterback you know, years, having one of the worst years of a quarterback in the Super Bowl era could have played. He literally, during the fourth quarter of that Super Bowl, was audibling out of pass plays into running game, running plays because the only way the Panthers would have beaten the Broncos would have been if Peyton turned the ball over and gave Carolina either a pick six or a short field because the Broncos' defense that year was that amazing. So they ran the ball. They didn't throw it. They ran it each time, and they played lights-out defense. This happened like four years ago, right? The outlier in recent history was the Falcons versus the Patriots. That was the outlier because of the other Super Bowls that I just named, we're talking about defense and running. That's how you win unless you have an inexpensive quarterback who's playing light years above everyone else. Like Tom Brady and the Patriots are to the NFL, but Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors are to the NBA, meaning Tom Brady is Steph Curry. Tom Brady is an all-time great who is being paid far below market value. And when you saw, and when the Golden State Warriors started their dynasty, when they started winning championships, they were paying Steph Curry like $14 million a year. Relatively speaking, especially in the NBA, that's chump change. So they were able 
to build their dynasty signed Kevin Durant because they were paying one of the best players ever so much low before below market value. And then you have the entire league. Everybody in the NBA is trying to shoot threes now. You're not going to beat the Warriors playing their style. You can't do it. You're not going to beat the Patriots trying to find the next Tom Brady. It's not going to happen. And everybody in the NFL, most teams in the NFL, are trying to do it. Aaron Rodgers may be the greatest talent in terms of the quarterback position that we have ever seen. He's not going to make the playoffs. Matt Ryan, the Falcons made a mistake paying him as much money as they did. We talk about the Lions all the time. Just go down the list of quarterbacks who are making so much money. The Colts may may make the playoffs for the first time in forever. May. And all of these teams, with the exception of the Lions and the Falcons, because I think Stafford and Ryan are overrated. But Aaron Rodgers is great. Andrew Luck is great. All these quarterbacks that who are struggling to make the playoffs are great. But guess what? They're not winning a damn thing. Meanwhile, look at Chicago. The Raiders decided keeping Derek Carr is cool, but we're going to get rid of Amari Cooper and we're going to get rid of Khalil Mack. How's that working out? At some point, somebody has to see this and be like, yo, everyone is zigging when we need to be zagging. We're not going to beat the Patriots trying to out Tom Brady, everyone. Look at the teams who have beaten him in the postseason. The Giants twice. Eli Manning didn't out Tom Brady, Tom Brady. Get out of here. The Baltimore Ravens, Joe Flacco. You just got his job roughed, okay? Nick Foles, look at it. Look at it. It's right in front of your face. But keep on thinking that Kirk Cousins is the answer. Keep on thinking the Matthew Staffords of the world are the answer. The Matt Ryans, right? The Derek Carrs, the Jimmy Garoppolo's, all these guys. Spend all the money in the world on these guys and keep letting these rookie quarterbacks with great defenses or these dual threat quarterbacks with great defenses. Just continue to let them win. Continue to let them win. But to my Vikings brothers and sisters, friend of the program, Ivan Carter included, bro, I feel for you. I feel for you. Because you got three more years of that. And it's not Kirk Cousins' fault. I blame the Vikings, the front office. And to the radio host in the D.C. metropolitan area, you can rave about Kirk all you want. Make all the excuses in the world for Kirk all you want. He doesn't have a running game. He doesn't have an offensive line. The defense doesn't play up to par. All of that. And I would ask you, are you telling me that Kirk Cousins needs weapons and a great offensive line and a running game and an amazing defense to win? Because I got to think there's a whole bunch of quarterbacks who if they had great receivers and Kirk has the best receiving core in the league and they had a great running game and they had a great offensive line and they had a great defense that there's a lot of quarterbacks who could win without getting paid 80 some odd million dollars guaranteed stop it stop it we're not going to stop here on the quarterly report but damn it man it can't be this hard it shouldn't be this hard 
to have intelligent dialogue in the sports world. And that's what I'm trying to bring. Whether you agree with me or not, you can't question the intellect, the logic behind my theories. Well, at least my cousin will, and he's going to do that later in the show. But if you think that I'm wrong, if you question my logic, man, I want to hear from you. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. That's quarterly spelled Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Or tweet at me, tweet at the show, quarterly show on Twitter. All right, guys, we're going to keep things moving. We're going to step off the football field. We're going to step out of the sports arena altogether with the second topic this week. Second the king quarter. of R&B. Somehow this became such a hot topic, not just on social media, but in the barbershops, on the courts, in the gyms, on the group text. And I got to be honest with you. This all started from a young man who I am not familiar with in the slightest. His name is Jacques, Jacques. Young, young dude, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to him. And apparently he jumped out there on social media saying, crowning himself the king of R&B for this generation. And so many people got up in arms and was like, this Bama is nuts. He's wilding, boom, 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 the whole nine. And I got to be honest, Slim, I, while I don't know who he is, I've never heard a song from him. I don't know anything about dude. I'm not mad at him for thinking that he's the king of R&B. Quick aside, someone once told me, you always need to have young people around, right? Like, if you want to really get on, if you really want to be popping in some, whatever it is that you do, you have to keep young people around you so you can know where to move, what's going on, what's really hot going on, right? And this is somehow a place where I have failed because I'm not out here trying to, you know, move with the young boys and girls out here. Like that's, that's not, that's lame to me. I'm in my mid thirties. That's not rocking. I'm a pops. So like in six, six or so years, I'm going to know all of this stuff. You feel me? I'm going to know all the stuff that's what's hot going on because that's when my daughter is going to be growing up into you know, that scene and trying to figure out what's going on and being up to date with the latest and greatest, whatever. So I still got a while before I'm I'm in that because that's the only young person for real, her and her cousin, her little friends or whatnot, that's the only young people who I'm around like that. So I got a ways away. And during this debate or this topic, I've realized that, yo, there's this new generation I'm not really up to speed on a lot of what they feel, feel and a lot of what they think is is good. And that's cool, especially in R&B. Like with hip-hop, the young boys I play basketball with or work out with, see at the gym, you know, they keep keep me abreast a bit on what's going on in that, right? But I, like R&B, nah, nah, that's not it. I'm not out there. I'm not, I'm not like that with the young boys and girls out there. You feel me? But when this topic first took off, I'm thinking, hold on, hold on. What's going on now, right? Like, it's cool that the young man thinks that he's the king of what's going on, and that's fine. He's not, not in my opinion. But I got no problem with himself, with him crowning himself. But what made this so funny is all the other R&B bammers who came up out of the woodwork giving their two cents. Slim, Jay Holiday is from the area. Got no problem with him. He had a legendary song what feels like 10 or so years ago. Bro, you... 
I don't really care. Like you, you not in anyone's place to discredit anybody saying that they're the king or not. No disrespect to you. You feel me? But no one's listening to what you feel about the king of R and B. I heard Tank, Tank, another guy from the Maryland area. Shout out to him, right? I enjoyed the TGT joint, trying to bring R and B back. I appreciated it. But he was putting himself in a in a top five kings of R&B. I'm like, bro, stop it. Like, stop it. And that's not a dish. He's really good in his lane. He ain't no king. So, you know, when I started thinking about kings and, you know, I'm listening to people, seeing people, there's been like a certain consensus, right? That like R. Kelly is the king of R&B. And, you know, from a music standpoint, I don't really know if you could debate that. However, when I don't know about y'all, but when I say someone is canceled, I mean, you are canceled for real. Like it's over. Stop. Done. Dunzo. You over, buddy. You've been canceled. So he's canceled to me. I'm not putting no crown on, on him. Nah, get out of here. Stop it. We're not even thinking like that. So while others may try to separate, you know, his personal life with his singing, to me, you can't because he's singing about love and you look at his personal life, especially his personal love life. You start questioning all that stuff. So, no, when I say someone is canceled, they are canceled. Boom. R. Kelly is disqualified. He's not the king. Right. He forfeited that journey. So then I start thinking, who else are people talking about? They talk about Usher. If you want to put Usher's first However many out of the first four, I suppose. He had a three-album run. My Way, 8701, Confessions. Nobody's touching that. Nobody's touching that. Confessions, you can make the case that it is the modern-day classic. That no album in modern times, and I'm talking about 90s to now, late 90s or 2000s, right? The 2000s to 2018, this 18-year run, that there is no album that touches confessions and that includes great pieces of work. I love instant vintage from Raphael Sadiq. And I'm not just talking about R and B just period. But if you focus on R and B instant vintage was an amazing album, right? Um, who is Jill Scott? I believe came out early 2000s. Amazing album. Like there's so many great pieces of work from really talented and amazing musicians in the R&B realm. I put confessions on all of it, over all of it. If you are of a certain age, confessions held you down, and I can say that confidently because confessions held my ass down for a long time. When the confessions first came out, slim. I'm talking about my knockout rate was something that would make Mike Tyson in his prime proud, bro. That was the that was my Mariano Rivera. Closed at closed every deal every time. Usher's my man for life for that. And if you are of a certain age, you know what I'm talking about. Confessions held it down. But we can't look at Usher's career from my way to Confessions. He's got the Triple Crown, three amazing albums back to back to back with the you know. The crescendo, the, the the star on top of your Christmas tree, right? 
But after confessions, Usher made a hard left. He started doing this pop stuff. He started doing like the 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 electro music, you want to saying the idiot, whatever they call that joint, right? That music, and he was doing songs with Black Eyed Peas, and I'm thinking, bro, what? What are you doing right now? And Usher hasn't been able to bounce back because he keeps on trying to chase. Like I just said, it's cool to have young people around you. It's different to be chasing after and trying to be a young, like, it's cool to grow up. Usher was at a level that he was a, in a position to pivot and change music along with him. But he, he forfeited that. And while he has a great legacy, don't get me wrong. And if you want to say Usher is the king right now, whatever, I, I, I'm not going to argue too much about it. But when R&B, especially male R&B, was at a crisis, really, Usher abandoned the post. He jumped off the ship and started trying to chase these pop records. Beyonce and Jill Scott and Erica Badu and, you know, then grow grew to, you know, Solange and um, her and, you know, SZA, Rihanna, like all these other musicians, they held it down for the women's side. On the male side, Usher was supposed to be the guy to carry the flag. It was getting rough for R&B. It was getting real hard. Look at what some of the stuff that Beyonce has talked about in interviews, right? Where the Neo, where everybody was wondering if this is it for R&B. Beyonce stood tall. Ushers and the Neos, them Bamas went chasing the pop stuff. They abandoned the ship. And that is a part of his legacy. And for me, when R&B needed someone, male R&B specifically, because we're talking about kings, right? Because we ain't, we ain't debating who's the queen of R&B. We got that. We know who that is. But we talk about the king. Man, that's a that's a black eye for Usher. Because he he jumped shit. He was, he was trying to make that. He was trying to catch that, that pit bull money. You feel me? And I, I hesitate by giving him a crown. Just like we canceled R. Kelly, I question Usher. Because when it was important for the genre, he wasn't there. Hell, let's be honest. For a significant chunk of time, the only people making R&B music on a, on a large scale, great, because there's always going to be the underground, the people who, who are still doing it, who are true to the game. But I'm talking about from a large scale. They were white guys. Justin Timberlake and Robin Thicke, they were the ones who are making R&B true R&B music on a large scale because Jaheems and the Tyrese's, they were always there. But you know what I'm saying. Usher was trying to chase pop records. Justin Timberlake came back being a pop star, making R&B soul music. Until my man Miguel shut the whole thing down. There's so much of the talk when I hear King of R&B for this new generation. I hear Trey songs and shout out to Trey. He's a Virginia boy. And Trey song got a lot of sons in the game right now because when it came to this whole style of rapping and singing and the singers trying to be rappers and the singers trying to be hard and all this other stuff, that comes from Trey. 
Trey was making mixtapes singing. And shout out to Tory Lanez because he's one of the new young, the young boys that I do like. The chicks tape joints are tough. But with the exception of the auto-tune, I mean, Tory Lanez is the son of Trey Songz. And I'm not saying that in an insulting way, but that's just real. Trey kind of birthed this whole era of the tough guy. And he's from Petersburg. He's a Virginia boy. Shout out to State, Virginia State. You know, Trey... Trey ain't no regular singing dude. You feel me? So I give Trey songs a lot of credit, but we got to be honest, though. We got to be honest. He paved the way. He really put in, he birthed a whole new style. And I said he got a lot of sons in the game right now. But we got to be honest also, Trey can't sing like that, Slim. You know what I'm saying? He can't. And that's cool because he never really... He never really fell in love with the auto-tune like that, and I appreciate him for that, right? Kept it for real. But if you're going to be a king, you got to sing. So I can't put the crown on Trey, despite the fact that he got a lot of sons in this game, and he forged a whole new path. For real? I can't put the crown on Trey, but I'm not mad at anybody who did, because he definitely birthed this style of singing. But you know who else also did? So another Virginia boy, Chris Brown. We got to be honest. I'm not, R. Kelly is canceled. Usher, I'm looking at him a little funny because though his highs cannot be matched, what he did when he had the crown is some suspect stuff, bro. Listen to the albums after Confessions and you tell me what the hell happened to your boy. Chris Brown? Where Trey can't sing, Chris can. Trey doesn't have the showmanship. I mean, nobody's dancing like Chris Brown, not even Usher. You feel me? And Trey gave birth to the style that Chris Brown has now elevated, right? Because Chris Brown be on that rapping, singing thing too. This whole, you know, I'm a hard dude, boom, boom, boom. But at the same time, he balances it. You know, Puff had a little snap where he was talking about, yo, if you want to be an R&B dude, you got you to gotta sing and you got to show some vulnerabilities. And Chris has done that. He has done that. And while Usher tried to pivot to the pop charts because of Chris Brown's transgressions, he can never be pop. Like, that's not going to happen. So he's been forced to stay R&B. Now, Chris Brown, as we all know, has, he has some you know, personal demons as well. We'll never forget what he did to Rihanna. We'll never excuse it. That can that can, that's part of his story. So if you want to disqualify Chris Brown the way I choose to disqualify R. Kelly, that is your prerogative. Um, Chris Brown's got some L's personally. He don't have his L's do not span the test of time and aren't as devious, in my opinion, as R. Kelly's because R. Kelly not only has the violence, but he also has got all types of, you know, you don't have to dig that much too far into what he does, right? I'm not excusing Chris Brown at all. Please don't mistake me by saying that. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be penalized. And if you do cancel Chris Brown because of what he did to Rihanna, putting his hands on her and like viciously attacking her, I got you. I'm not defending him at all. And if you want to cancel him, cool. I'm with it. But I think if we're talking about this generation, I put Chris over Trey. I put Chris right there with Usher. 
But I'm circling back though because I mentioned Miguel, man, and I feel I feel like, bro, we gotta be honest. Like I feel like he's been underrated throughout this discussion. If we talking about this generation, right, this era, you know how I talked about when, you know, Usher ran away from R&B music and Neo ran away from R&B music. Who stood? Who came there? When white dudes were making the best R&B songs, who who shocked sent a shock through the you know the system was like no 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 we got this again, Adorn. Adorn was like like a, you got some of these dudes who saying they did the, the king of R&B, they may have a nice little run, they may have some nice mixtapes, so they steal somebody else's song and they jump on it. Miguel has legit hits, plural hits. I don't know of an R&B song in recent history, right? That's bigger from a male artist than Adorn. Maybe there's one. You, I would love to hear y'all tell me. Again, get interact with the show. Email me, tweet me. What's a bigger male R&B song than Adorn? Because I don't know. And it's not like he's a one-hit wonder. He came in the game. What's the song he had with J. Cole, right? All I Want Is You. That's his first single. Killer. Then he had Sure Thing. Killer. Then he had Quickie. Killer. Then he killed the game with not only Adorn, but Kaleidoscope Dream. I mean, come on. Like, what are we talking about, right? Like, seriously, we're talking about R&B music. Kaleidoscope Dream. Killer. And then last year, he had War and Leisure. Killer. The boy... The boy, you can't question his vocals. We know he can sing his ass off. He's not the dancer that Chris Brown is. He's not the performer. His ass is leg dropping fans in the stage. You know what I'm saying? So he's not the performer that these other dudes are. Nobody's the performer that Chris Brown is, right? Nobody. Let's be honest. Usher can't even dance like Chris Brown. But, man, when you talk about, like, soul music, you listen to Miguel, you feel that joint. You talk about someone... And this is when I hope that we remember this when we talk about Miguel's legacy, bro. Because when the Neos and the Ushers and everybody was chasing these poppy records, Miguel, man, he put he planted his flag in R&B. He was like, nah, Slim, this type of music, Adorn, we can still do that. And ain't just Justin Timberlake is going to make these soul music songs. It's not just Robin Thicke who's going to bite Marvin Gaye. Right. And to be fair, Robert Dick, the evolution of Robert Dick was another amazing R&B record. That's that's the one that came out before the the Robin Gate when they roughed that joint. Right. Talk about the album. The evolution of Robert Dick is an amazing album. Right. But he was making R&B songs, R&B and music. Miguel was like, "Nah, we can still do this, too. We don't have to chase the pop records. And that's exactly what Adorno is, man. And that's big for me. You feel me? The same way I take a big kind of X on Usher's reign, what Miguel did, that's like a big, that's a huge alley-oop, man. That's a big touchdown for him, man. I really hold him in a high regard, not just because of kind of the importance of that record, but what he has done consistently. He's got consistent good music, bro. And the boy can sing, and he ain't out here trying to be hard. He ain't out here talking about how he gonna be. I ain't trying to hear no dude sing 
about how he tough he is in the club. Man, sit your ass down, bro. Anybody trying to hear that? So all of that to say, of this generation, this generation, the post-2000 era of R&B music, I give respect to Trey, Virginia boy, shout out to Trey, because of how his style has changed the game in R&B. I'm not mad at you if you think R. Kelly still holds the crown. I think he's a despicable person who has not tried to change, has not shown any type of remorse. And when I say someone is canceled, same way I say Kanye is canceled, like they're done, it's over, bong. I'm, you're not in any contention for anything. And I damn sure ain't putting a crown on you. Chris Brown, I think he was remorseful. And if you don't forgive him, I understand. I don't know if I forgive him, but at least to me, it seems like there is been there has been some contrition. Now, some of the other stuff he does, not necessarily violence towards women, but kind of how he's, you know, you may say harass women, one woman in particular, that's still uneasy. So if you don't want to give him the crown, I get it. And I don't know how comfortable I am by saying Chris Brown is the king of R&B music right now. But when we talk about everything, the performance, the singing, the songs, the output, the consistency, I get that. I get why someone would want to put the crown on him. But for me, when we talk about R&B music in this day and age and how to be soulful, man, I think I think Miguel needs to I need, I think Miguel needs way more consideration than what he's been receiving. If I'm wrong, let me know. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me at quarterly show on Twitter. Or you can always leave a review. Leave your thoughts on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Podknife, or any other place where podcasts are heard. All right, guys, you heard the horn. That is halftime for me. Again, I love these type of topics, man, because we are a sports show, but we like to have fun, you know? And it's not just a sports show. It's an entertainment show. It's a culture show. So many people don't want to talk about R&B, or so many people do want to talk about R&B, but leave my, my guy Miguel out, bro. Go ahead and put that Warren Legion on and tell me that thing don't rock. Tell me that boy can't sing. You can't do it. You can't do it. But you know what else is going on? What I can't do is condone kind of the stupidity when it comes to NBA point guards. And that's going to be our topic for halftime this week. As you may or may not know, Steph Curry made headwaves by joining a podcast and questioning whether we landed on the moon or not. Obviously, we did. And obviously, this comes on the heels of Kyrie Irving saying that the earth is flat. Whether you think these two men are trolls, whether you think these two men are ignorant is up to you. But no one can disagree and no one can argue that these two men are popular, two of the best players in the league, and two of the more high-profile players and point guards in all of sports. And in America, I got to say, man, we got we to gotta, we gotta be careful questioning science. But it's something that is happening all over the place, not just in sports, unfortunately, in our political discourse, with news, in schools, all over the place. And it's quite scary. But what's more 
American than trying to monetize something that we all should be worried about. And that's the topic for this week's halftime, where another NBA point guard is going to go too far by questioning science. Take a listen. Welcome to another episode of NBA Unsolved Mysteries. This week, Toronto Raptors point guard Kyle Lowry questions a myth that we've all heard since childhood. Should you really not swim immediately following eating? Today, we put that to the test. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hell no, nah, I'm not doing that. Wait, wait, hold on, Kyle. I thought you said you wanted to put yourself on the same level as the Kyrie Irvings and the Steph Curry. How in the world am I going to be on their level if my black ass is drowning in the ocean? Well, I mean, we're not going to fly your ass to the moon. We're not NASA. Okay, man, but I'm saying, can we do something else? Like, I roll my eyes in the back of my head, and if someone blows in my eyes, it won't stay that way. Something like that, man. Come on, man. Let's be creative. I'm, I'm not jumping in the water after Look, eating. Either you do this and you reap the benefits of being on their levels, or you just continue to flounder up in Toronto and everyone talks about how you're out of shape and how you'll choke in the playoffs, right? No guts, no glory. You watch G.I. Joe. Come on, Kyle. You really think this will work, huh? I mean, we do have the best record in the league, and I did beat Steph Curry twice this year. I'm sick of seeing Kyrie's crazy ass get all the attention in the East, too. All right, you know what? I'm game. What do you need me to eat? All right, we want you to eat this Philly cheesesteak and fries, drink this big super gulp Pepsi, and then go out there in the ocean and try to swim. All right? It's funny how we question science to a point, but when you have to be the person as the guinea pig, nobody then wants to question it, right? Like we, You got so many NBA players questioning these like large scale scientific theories that have been proven factual. And to some degree with Kyrie's case are like significant pillars on which in the foundation to which everything else has been built upon. But you won't question science when it is a direct relation to you and your well being. You know, that's what I want to see. You feel me? I want to see fear factor. NBA point guards, right? I want to see if Kyrie doesn't think the earth is round, let's let's scale it back. Kyrie, you know, go to an all-you-can-eat buffet, do your thing, and then try swimming two miles. That's what I want to see. You know, Steph says he doesn't believe we landed on the moon. All right, let's question some other scientific things, you know, about flying, basically. Like, just put Steph's ass in a spaceship and just shoot his ass up in the air. Let's see, you know, the, the from what we learned from NASA. If he doesn't believe NASA, go ahead and just let some other bombers, you know, the dudes who sell, like, the incense on the subway. Everybody who believes that we didn't land on the moon. All right, get your homeboys, you know, STEM. Shout out to STEM. Build a spaceship and put Steph's ass up in that junk, right? Because we don't believe NASA. Like, we got to stop this junk, you know? It's crazy, you know? You got, and I know it's not the same as a politician or people in high offices questioning facts. But if we don't stomp out that at every single instance, then it just kind of remains and it just pops up whenever, 
you know, whenever it chooses. We then can't act surprised when someone with a large amount of power and influence takes the ball and runs with it. And let's not also act like Kyrie Irving and Steph Curry don't have a lot of power and influence. They don't have it over me. I'm a grown man. And if you're listening to this podcast, I would hope they don't have it over you. But let's not act like 12, 13-year-old kids don't listen listen and idolize these guys. I'm 35 years old. I remember when I was a kid, I had a whole rack of homeboys who listened to everything that came out of Michael Jordan's mouth. I just hated him, so I, I literally went against everything he did. But Bamas was rocking the hoop earrings. Bamas was all the stuff. I want to be like Mike. Bamas legit wanted to be like Mike, and you're kidding yourself if you don't think this next generation of kids don't look at Kyrie, don't look at Steph and being like, yo, these are the dudes, even more so than LeBron and KD. Like, it's Kyrie and Steph's game. They're just fun to watch and their size, their stature, and how they play. Very rarely are they above the rim. They're more relatable. These are two of the most influential basketball players that we have right now. And that in a span of a year, they both jump out there and say stuff that can be factually proven. It's wild to me. But it shows kind of the time and the day and age in which we live. Where, like, you could just question whatever, you know? And that's a dangerous precedent. And it's a dangerous kind of Pandora's box to open, man. So we got to make sure we, we call Batman's out for stupid stuff, man. When you stupid, when I do something stupid, I know I got enough people in my life who truly love me. And will be like, yo, Armand, you dumb as hell for that. My sister. Every time, anytime I do something dumb and she does it out of love, right? She's like, yo, don't do that again. That's stupid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to have people in your life to be like, bro, when you do something dumb, call that joint out. I don't know who the hell's in Kyrie and Steph's corner. If they were trolling, bong. Let's hope so. But they need to come out and say that. Don't be, don't, don't play like this, man, because too many people look up to them. So the next time somebody questions science, right? Say, you know what? That's too large of a topic. You know, what I want you to do is swim in this river after eating all this food. Because science tells us that that's not a good idea. But you don't believe in science. So get your ass out there and start swimming. That's what I'm going to start doing from now on. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's very convenient to question science on things that are just way beyond our day-to-day lives. So let's scale it back. Lowest common denominator. Get your ass in the water and swim. But only after you eat these five pizzas. You know? <laughs> That's what I'm doing from now on, man. Alabama's are stupid. All right, Joe, I can talk about this for a long time, but we're not going to do it because I'm welcoming in my cousin. That's right, Sadiq Abdul making his monthly appearance on the quarterly report. It's our third topic this week. Third quarter. I say it all the time, Bill Simmons. He brought in his cousin Sal, and cousin Sal is all over the place now. It's his own sports personality. So if Bill Simmons can have cousin Sal, then damn it, I can have cousin Sadiq. Sadiq, welcome in. To another episode of the quarterly report, cuz. Hey, cuz. Happy holidays, everyone. Y'all know the routine by now. Sadiq is a promoter, and he does his thing with sports analysis as well. But each and every month, he comes on to the show to play a game that we like to call Am I Crazy? Where basically, I ask my cousin if I'm crazy with some of the sports takes that I have. So, without further ado, we're going to get it rocking with the first topic. Friend of the program, Kevin Broom, last week 
did some really great reporting and talked about how he's heard rumblings about the Wizards potentially looking to trade John Wall to the Lakers. Now, we don't know if that's going to happen or not. It's just the reports by several uh, credible sources. Read the article on Bullets Forever if you haven't. But it got me thinking, right, because so many people look at the Lakers and obviously outside of LeBron, you question who is the most attractive piece or prospect on the Lakers team. A lot of people think it's Brandon Ingram. Myself, I feel it's Kyle Kuzma. So, Sadiq, tell me if I'm crazy or not for thinking that Kyle Kuzma is not just better than Brandon Ingram. He's significantly better than Brandon Ingram. (laughs) Yeah, man, that's... That's the most outlandish thing. Okay, Kuzma is a better shooter, you know, possibly a better scorer as far as just putting, you know, just finding ways to, for the ball to, to reach the bottom of the net, you know, just floaters, anything like that. But as far as just basketball sense and all the way around, no, Kuzma's nowhere near better than Ingram at all. Ingram hasn't reached his ceiling yet. You know, and Kuzma, you already see what he's going to be. He only can go right. I mean, he's looking really good right now playing with LeBron. But, I mean, this is LeBron. You stand in the corner and LeBron's going to find you. You got to make your open shot. Simple as that. He's he's nothing. I mean, honestly, this, if if LeBron wasn't on that team, you would definitely see how light years Ingram is way better than Kuzma. So, it's no, nah, it's not even a comparison in my opinion. I mean, one was a number it was, one was a number two pick that could have been a number one pick at one point. Like, they were, pe- people were going back and forth. And Kuzma's lucky to even make a first round. And he also did three years in college where Ingram did one. So that, you know, he, he's a little more mature as far as basketball sense, and Ingram is trying to find his way. But, I mean, Kuzma is a reason why he went 23rd in the draft or 24th, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. Scouts, he doesn't, he just doesn't have that type of it to be the stars or anything like, you know, better. But Ingram will have that sooner or later in his career. So this is the thing, right? I understand your points, but this is like you type in something into the GPS. All your points you are laying out make sense, except for the fact that at the end result, you're at the wrong location, right? I get that you're saying Brandon Ingram was a number two overall pick. So Brandon Ingram should be better than Kyle Kuzma, who was drafted in the 20s. But that doesn't mean anything because thus far during their NBA careers, Brandon Ingram hasn't done anything. He's not a good scorer, yet he shoots the ball all the time. He's not efficient. Kyle Kuzma, yo, it's it's okay that Kyle Kuzma is really good at scoring. And he's not really good at anything else. At least he knows what he's good at. I don't know what Brandon Ingram is good at because he can't score. He can't rebound despite the fact that he's seven feet. He doesn't play defense. What exactly is Brandon Ingram good at? That, that, that's the question. I know he was drafted number two overall. Jabari Parker was drafted number two overall. It doesn't matter. He's not, he's not a, what do you yeah, he's do not a great shooter. since you've been in the league? I know what Kuz can do. I still don't know what Ingram can do because he hasn't shown that he can do it. He actually can pass pretty well. When there's been times that, you know, either Zoe or, like, especially last year, they had him running the point a lot. He actually can run the point. Kuzma cannot do that. That's what I'm saying. It's a difference. And then, and Kuzma, Kuzma already has a little bit of weight on him where he's probably a better rebounder, and it's because he's two to three years older. When Ingram kind of starts hitting his grown man weight and it starts to, like, seep in around maybe 21 when he finally hits 21 or 22 and all that and it starts to really go, you'll see. I promise you, you'll see. Ingram, Ingram's going to be better. See, this is the thing, man. I don't like doing the age thing, right? Because, look, Otto Porter and Giannis were drafted in the same year. Otto Porter is older He's than special. Giannis. But Giannis, Giannis is ma- special. Giannis just turned 24. And Giannis is a monster. So it doesn't matter your age difference in how... All right, you know, well, neither, neither, hold up. Neither, neither did KG or, or, uh, or even Kevin Durant at first. And after a while, like KD right now, you can't push KD around. 
KD's still skinny, but he put it, but he put on the energy. But see, here's the thing, right? KD is skinny. So if you're saying Brandon Ingram hasn't played that well because he's skinny, Kevin Durant has always been skinny. Kevin Durant in his rookie year did not play well. And then he took a leap in year two, and then we know what happened from year three and so forth. Brandon Ingram, he didn't do any. Like, wh- where has he improved? He is playing poorly, and it's been consistent. Yeah, he hasn't, but that's because he has a different type of game. Like, honestly, I'm okay with sooner or later Lakers trading Ingram if LeBron is there for that four years for the contract because their games kind of clash. I'm not saying his game is the same as LeBron in any type of way, but he's that type of player that needs the ball sort of as a LeBron type of way. He's not going to be standing in the corner and waiting to shoot or anything like that because that's what LeBron does. LeBron going to pound it, and now LeBron's having fun shooting these deep threes, so it's like having people stand around and watching. And Ingram's not a stand around and watch type of player, so him and LeBron are going to clash. You know what I mean? They're going to find a way that their their chemistry is not as good as LeBron and Kuzma chemistry because Kuz is just a catch and shoot and a type of player. That's all he is. Only reason Kuzma is ahead of him right now is because Kuzma has like three years on him. It's simple as that. That's the only thing. But yeah, but he's gonna as soon as the as soon as the weight does start to 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 weigh on him, he's gonna get the weight. He's going to be better than, than expected. I'm telling you. It's going to be better than Kuzma for sure. That dude. That dude ain't nothing but a grown Ben Gordon or somebody. Hey, like, stop it. Come you on, come right off the bench. You are wild. Yeah. Right. No That's ben what he is. Gordon. If you really, really watch Kuzma, he take, like, he take, yeah, he's not as, like, he's not as good as everybody think he is, man. I promise you. Like, I, I watch him. Like, he just, he's just a very good player that plays off somebody else better. That's it. All right. So, you know what? We're going to move on to question two because clearly my cousin is wrong. <laughs> we're gonna move on to the football field right and look we are coming down you got nfl games on saturday so you all know that means the playoffs are right around the corner we all heard how time and time again you need a quarterback to win despite the fact that recent history suggests otherwise so sadiq i think the chicago bears and the new england patriots will play in the super bowl am i crazy for that um Actually, no. I can see. I can see a scenario where the Bears make it, but I'm gonna say no only because they got to go on the road, uh, at least one or two times, depending on you know they got to go. On, yeah, they got to go on the road. Like let's say let's say they play New uh because they, if they stay in that third seed, they'll get only the home game, the first game. So then they have to go to New Orleans, and then they'll probably have to go to uh the Rams. Now that defense defense travels. That's the one thing you could play defense anywhere, any dome. It does, I mean, any stadium, anything. But if they can somehow get to a second seed where they can at least have, you know, that second, that division game at home because it's cold up there. Like, Breeze, that one year, matter of fact, speaking of quarterbacks, I mean, let's be real. Rex Grossman beat Breeze to make to the Super Bowl. That's what I'm saying. And in an NFC Championship game, and because Breeze, was play, he actually played pretty terrible that game because it's cold, you know. So, I mean, I can see the Bears. I can see a scenario the Bears make because, one, their offense is so in, unconventional. Like, that oh, that offensive coordinator, the OC, he is, man – you you don't know who you don't know who to check for real like it's crazy like you could I mean he came in the other day and had four offensive linemen report eligible so now as a defender you got two offensive linemen at the end uh, at the end of the line now both of those guys could be tight ends they don't you know which you don't know which one and they both seep out you know after like the play action they both leak out you don't know which one to grab and then the, and then the one that caught the touchdown he got hands like a tight that was a great catch for real. Cause it was above, it was above his head. It wasn't put in his stomach. It's like Trubisky didn't put it like right in his chest and his stomach. He put it over top of his head. And that was a great all hands catch. Like that dance he did, he deserved that dance. I mean, so I can see a scenario with the Bears, but for me, for my pick personally, I actually think it's going to be Breeze though. I think it's going to be Noah. It's his time. 
other than a miracle last year, I mean, if that if that if the safety just plays regular safety defense and just lets Diggs catch the ball and make the tackle, New Orleans gets to that game, and I'm gonna tell you, Breeze with a son, uh, Foles, because Foles, Foles already looks up to him. They went to the same high school. He wears the number nine because of Breeze. They went to the same high school, ten years apart. They are here. You know, Foles already stated that he 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 looks up to him. So just that fact, he would a big brother, little brother him, and Breeze would have got to the Super Bowl. So I think it's this. I think it's this turn this year. Just to like kind of ride off into the sunset. I feel like, all right, basically Breeze, Aaron Rodgers, you know, those type of great quarterbacks, they got to get at least a second one. You know, because Breeze already, Breeze already got the first one. So it's going to be a second one in his career. Kind of like how Peyton did with, uh, you know, getting with Denver. You know, Peyton got the second one that he could ride off. I actually think he's going to get this second one. Or, don't be surprised, you pick you pick New England? Yeah, I got to rock with the Patriots, huh? I'm going to tell you. If the if the Chargers get the messing around and, and playing the right people and the right matchups and all that, don't be surprised if, if Rivers gets in there. I mean, D, I, I feel you, and people have been talking about the Chargers for years now, and this year they finally look to get it together. I just don't trust them. I don't trust the Chargers as far as I could throw them. I don't know, man. I'm telling you, as long as Gordon comes back and they and they had the run game, they do need that like when it comes to playoff time. But I'm telling you, they have a defense. Bosa's back. They got endless receivers on the low. They got and then, and then at the end of the day, Rivers. Uh, speaking speaking of Breeze getting his second one, Rivers might need to get his first one or even get there. Like he might need to at least Dan Marino get there one time, get there one time, get the loss, and then we could be like, okay, now you're one of the best. You know, what I'm saying just get there and then you could still lose. You could be Patrick Ewan or, or, or you know Malone or, or Barkley. You know, just get there and then we we won't we won't crucify you for the rest of your career. Like oh, you never made it at all. You know what I'm saying? So at least get there that one time. And I can see I can see a scenario where it's, honestly. Who wouldn't love that in the NFL if it's Breeze versus Rivers where they, you know, the, the understudy plays the other, you know, and stuff like that. So that would be perfect, in my opinion. I mean, Brady, we had enough of Brady, man. Somebody beat this dude, please. <laughs> I feel you, man, but, yo, he's Jordan. I agree. He's this I generation's agree. Jordan, I agree. for real. I agree. It is. But sooner or later, he's Jordan, but, I mean, he's off to Peyton now before. He's lost, you know, he doesn't go every year. He's he been his last two years. He's been his last two years. Right, right, right. Been to the last two Super Bowls, but have, has been to seven straight AFC Championship games. Huh? And only been to, all right, seven straight years. He's been seven straight years AFC, and only went to what, three Super Bowls, if I'm not mistaken, at that time? Yeah, three out of the last five Super there Bowls. There you go. So that's four losses, right? So somebody can beat this man. It can, it can happen now. And, and and honestly, lately, though, let's be real, Brady's Brady been playing pretty good ball lately. It's been it's been Belichick. I don't know if he's honestly in the back of my mind. Sometimes I think he's too smart for his own good, or he's sabotaging his team some way just to get a crab. I don't know because he's making some weird, stupid calls. I mean, really pay attention to football type of like analysts of the football and really watch it. Man, I don't know what's going on with Belichick. So honestly, Belichick mess around getting the game and try to do something that's unconventional, that's unnecessary. You know. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my cousin Sadiq Abdul making his monthly appearance on the Quarterly Report podcast. My cousin, as y'all know, is a promoter, does his thing with sports analysis as well. And usually when you're on the show, Deke, we play three different topics where you get to tell me if I'm crazy or not. But today I'm going to forfeit this last topic because you told me, man, I know you bleed burgundy and gold and you're going through it for the last few weeks. And you were like, yo, Arma, I just got to get something off my chest. So the floor is yours. Do what you need to do. Say what you have to say about your beloved skins. I hand you over the mic. Yeah, man, it's 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 totally ridiculous. Like it baffles me. Like okay, I understand you're down to your third, fourth quarterback, and then the third one that came in as far as Sanchez, he's not that good. So I mean, you see what it was. But my thing is just the heart of a man. I don't know if you know these guys are just entitled millionaires and spoiled. They just honestly they don't really care as much as us fans care. 
But that game against the Giants, I can stand the Eagles game. We were in that game. We made some mistakes. We lost it. You know, you're going to you know, you're gonna be in games. But just play with the heart. That Giants game was ridiculous. I could tell injuries or not. I could tell that we gave up after just – it was only 7 nothing. I understand the tip ball and then it got housed by the uh, defender for the Giants, you know, Sanchez. It just looked like the players just gave up. And then when Josh came in, it looked like they had the life. So now don't get me wrong. The quarterback position can give you that life and all that. But that shows that we quit, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and I'm just, I, that's what I can't get with. What are, you, what are you doing out there on the field that you're quitting? You know, it just, they just look, they just did not have any energy at all. And it's like the guys like DJ Swearinger or these other people that talk a lot, supposed to be leaders, man, smack some of these dudes aside the hell, helmet. You know, you don't got to smack them in the head, but just like get them going. Like, come on, it just can't, yeah, it can't be no quitting. Honestly, I've seen the, uh, I've seen Josh's, um, I'm talking about Josh Johnson, the quarterback now. You know, he's about to get his, about to get his first start in like six years or whatever it is, something crazy. His his press conference earlier, I actually believe this young boy a little bit. Like, I mean, he was like, man, he was home in the hood and all this. He was like, he was with his daughter, and he just he had a he had a look in his face, like like he hungry. He knows that if honestly, if he can get us close to a playoff spot, even if we lose that last game, but just enough that we get to that point. He could be on a roster next year on just any team. So he's doing, he's basically in his, he's in three he got a three week interview right now that he can get somewhere on somebody's third string, second string, you know, quarterback or something. His career is not over. He looked hungry, and that's all we need. Somebody just energetic. Like Sanchez just looked happy to be somewhere. He was smiling, joking, talking, butt fumble. He was just happy. He didn't really care, you know. So I I can see that. But at the same time, man, we got to do something. This organization. I'm talking about from the top, man. I don't know. I don't. I don't it's just, it, it really is. It's hard to grasp, like put your finger on what exactly is the problem. You know, people always saying, "Oh, we need to, you know, get Snyder out of here," or, or you know, he needs to sell the team, or you need to get Jay out of here. But it's not just Jay. Jay been here five years, and then I seen other. You know, I done seen other coaches mess up and all that. So there is it Bruce Allen or whoever's hiring these. Coaches? It just it's confusing. My thing is just get some whoever we pick. I don't care about. Do your do your research as GM or whoever whoever's gonna be the GM and everything or whatever that, that type of thing. But do your research as far as the guys' background. Get guys in here with heart. These guys look weak. You know what I mean? Like AP, somebody like AP. He's a Hall of Famer. You can see that he don't have no quitting him. I mean, to the point where he fumbles the ball sometimes because he's still trying to get extra yard. You know what I mean? But he's still fighting. So certain people have that type of dog in them. You know, these Alabama boys, that's why we were rolling early in the year. I don't know if they got tired or what, what's going on. They haven't been insane, you know, been themselves that they were early in the season. But they have a different type of dog or heart in him. But that's what that's why we've been kind of going the Alabama route lately because we know for a fact that they're bred winners. You know, they're used to winning. So, therefore, they can't put up with so much of this losing type of stuff. But, I mean, I'm encouraged with Josh a little bit just off the press conference. I can't rant too much now. Like, I want I want him to do well and to keep us alive at least. Like, I feel like we can beat Jacksonville at least. I, I still, I'm not giving up Coley on my team because that's what I'm saying. I have heart, so I'm not quitting yet. Until somebody actually kills you, you're not dead. I mean, like, we don't watch, we grew up on the Rocky movies, the Michael, you know what I'm saying, Michael Jordan playing through the flu, that, that type of stuff. So, therefore, you know what I'm saying, we need that type of energy from these guys. Don't give up until, until the NFL actually says you're mathematically eliminated now, you're done. We not done yet. There you have it. It's my cousin making his monthly appearance on the show. Sadiq Abdul, promoter, sports analyst, and frequent contributor to the Quarterly Report podcast. Deke, as always, thank you so much for joining me on the show. And can't wait to wrap to you back with the show 
in 2019. You know what it is. Appreciate you having me on as always, man. Everybody have a great holidays and be safe. All right, Deke. Holla at you then. Ladies and gentlemen, we are three quarters down, meaning there's only one quarter left before the show is over. So we're going back to the hardwood to break down a topic that I've been wanting to talk about for quite a while. We're going to finally get to it. Our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. So you just heard me with my cousin. And I enjoy those segments a lot. I know a lot of you all have commented that you guys enjoy that segment the most. And that's the one time, I would say, where there is a kind of debate culture. You know what I mean? A debate segment, if you will. Because my cousin and I, despite the fact that I love him to death, and, you know, we we disagree, but there's a certain level of respect there. You know what I'm saying? It's not disagreeing for disagreement's sake. And so much, so many times in sports, but it's, it's, I've talked about this at nauseum. It's kind of filtered all throughout entertainment, really. Like this debate society where everyone has to choose a side and everything's a binary choice and it's either this or that. It's nauseating. I can't stand it. I have to take it in doses and I could do it once a month for this show, for this podcast with my cousin, because it's fun and there's a certain level of respect and understanding that he and I have. And despite the fact that we disagree most of the time on the show months, I mean, early, early, early on during the process, we were like, yo, we agree on a lot of these things in the segment. It just works better if there is a bit of disagreement, you know what I'm saying? We, he and I agree most of the time. We just have to highlight the things that we disagree on. And it's not manufactured. It's not processed. It's genuine. And when you listen to it, hopefully you guys entertain. It's entertaining to you. You enjoy it. But you also can understand that there's a certain level of respect and fun. It's not just sniping just to do it. Because then you talk over each other. No one listens. It's just to me, it's, a, it's an exhausting exercise, right? And... That points me into the latest trend, the latest debate, if you will, that is gone nuts in the NBA circles. Full disclosure, before this past NBA draft, I thought Luka Doncic was going to be the best player. I would have drafted Luka Doncic number one. And still to this day, I think Luka Doncic will have the best career of anyone drafted this year maybe by a wide margin i'm not sure i'm not certain i'm not going to do that with 19 year olds who've played about 27 to 30 games depending on when you've listened to this podcast but i thought luca was the best player that doesn't mean i can't enjoy trey young that doesn't mean i don't want deandre ayton to succeed that doesn't mean that jaron jackson jr can't be the like the idea, and it's mainly with Aiton and Trey Young. I had a friend of mine, a colleague, not too long ago on Twitter, send me a, a tweet talking about how awful Trey Young has been from a certain statistic that I don't necessarily subscribe to. And it was out of the blue. It was just randomly tweeted to me and another former colleague of mine, two people who like Trey Young and want Trey Young to do, to do well. Mind you. I have never said that Trey Young is better than Luka Doncic. I have never said that I would rather have Trey Young than Luka Doncic. In fact, I think Atlanta would have made a mistake by trading. <laughs> you know what? 
it's hard to say they made a mistake, right? Because they got a pick in addition to it. But it's hard to think that that pick in Trey Young will be better than what Luka Doncic will be projecting. But it's difficult, right? They've only played 20 some odd games. But the idea that I like Trey Young and I want Trey Young to succeed made this person send me a tweet showcasing how awful Trey Young is. And I'm just thinking to myself, who made the rule that you can't like both of them? <laughs> Why can't we do that? Why can't you like Luka Doncic and appreciate just how amazing he is at such a young age and how he is kind of leading the way for this Mavericks team into playoff contention? Why can't I enjoy that? Admire it even. And be and 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 be entertained all the while also looking at Trey Young and saying, wow, man, he has a specific set of skills. Not to go all Liam Neeson, right? But he has a skill set in today's NBA that if he is developed, he's going to not only be a dangerous player, he's going to be a fun player. How come those two things can't exist in the same universe? Why must it always have to be this or that? It is crazy to me. Again, I, before this season, I, I wished, I wanted the Knicks to tank last year so we could get Luka. I wanted Luka. I think Luka should have been the number one overall pick, and he's going to be the best player of this class. I enjoy his game, and I marvel at him just like everyone else is. But that doesn't mean that I got to do it at the expense of other players. That's, that giant is so lame to me, and it's all over the place. I've seen so many people say, man, the Suns are crazy, right? The Kings are crazy. The Hawks are crazy. The Kings, I don't know if y'all been paying attention. I still can't believe it, but the Kings seem to be having a pretty good idea of what they're doing. Now, I'm not of the mindset to be like, hey, you can't have too many good players. I think that Luka and Fox could have worked because both players are very, very good, but I also understand them not doing, not drafting Luca. I get that. They probably could have moved down, right? They probably had a better idea how how much better Fox had been, and how much he improved, and how much Buddy Hield had improved. I think that they probably should have considered moving down. Absolutely, but whatever. What what they are doing is working, right? The Suns, I'm sorry. I don't know if y'all been paying attention, but Aiton has been a monster. Just because you could actually argue the fact that Aiton has produced better. He has been more productive than Luka Doncic. That does not mean that I think DeAndre Aiton is better than Luka Doncic. But thus far this season, he has produced better. You could absolutely make that argument. In fact, there are several statistics that I hold in high regard that do. Aiton has been amazing this year. And because he's in an awful team with an awful owner who has no idea what they want to be, what they're trying to do, it looks bad on him, right? We look down on Aiton because he's playing for the Suns while we look, deservedly so, we look fondly upon Doncic because he's playing on a team who actually is trying to win. You look at the money that the Mavericks have spent on Wesley Matthews, on Harrison Barnes, and DeAndre Jordan, you realize, okay, 
They've put their money up. And while those players isolated may not fit, all of this together is working, and in large part because of Luka, and of course they've got one of the best head coaches in the league. Don't you like? Let's not leave that out. But Aiton has been playing amazing, and so many people were going, "Oh, the Suns were crazy for drafting Aiton over Doncic." Nah, maybe they will be. Again, I think Luka should have went number one, but it makes perfect sense why the Suns would have drafted Aiton. From an off-the-court standpoint, he went to Arizona. You know what I mean? But on the floor, thus far, you can absolutely make the case that Aiton has produced more than Dodgers. You can absolutely... Both things can be true. Luka can easily be the, the person who you project to have the best career, but through 27 games, Aiton could produce more. Both things can exist. They can share the same time, right? Those things can happen congruently together it, it it doesn't have to be this or that and man i just hope that we could get to a point where everything doesn't have to be debated all these dudes who got drafted every last one of them i got nothing against them i hope all of them have tremendous multiple multiple all-star appearance careers we know that can't happen but i hope it's for all of them i don't wish any of these kids to have to be like people are so quick to throw the term bust around. How you know if any of these kids, they're 19 years old. <laughs> they're 19 years old and have played 20 some odd games. How can you say anybody is a bust? Aiden has produced greater than in, than I could have even imagined. Like he's he's been so much better than I thought he was going to be, and I thought he was going to be good. And as a big man, a big man in today's game, the learning curve is crazy. Right, Aiton wasn't a tremendous defender defender in college. Obviously, he's going to struggle with that in the pros. But almost everybody struggles if you're a big man to defend in the pros because the the rules of how to play defense as a center and how teams will use you defensively change changes day after day at a moment's notice. So of course he's going to struggle defensively. And let's not act like Luca's been a great defensive player either. You know. DeAndre Ayton has been amazing. The Kings, Marvin Bagley has played well. He just doesn't get minutes, but you can't get mad at Jaeger for not playing the kid because they are playing their asses off right now, right? The Kings are playing as a legit, I mean, they're, they could legit be a home court advantage team in the first round of the playoffs in the Western Conference. Who saw that coming? The, the Kings have played tremendously well, disciplined, and they're, young, they're a bunch of young kids starting to play and understand how to not only just play professional basketball, but play professionally together. So you can't get mad at Bagley for not getting a lot of minutes. And when he does play, he produces well. The Hawks, yo, <laughs> you know, I, I'm pulling for Trey. I think Trey, Trey was fun to watch in college. I think he has a nice skill set. And I think, yes, he can still be a super. Of course, he can be a superstar. He's so young, and it's only a handful of games or a couple of handful of games into the season. However, right, what the Hawks are asking of Trey is a lot. They got an entire roster full of players who are not trying to win, and they're throwing the bulk of their offensive possessions on his slim shoulders, right? His slender shoulders. That's a lot. 
that's a lot to ask for. And hopefully, I hope that that doesn't ruin Trey. Because he's fun and he's exciting and that's cool. Last year, I was like, dog, we got to stop comparing him to Steph because that's not fair to him. He already got a whole bunch of other stuff that's thrown upon his shoulders. And now we're going to throw him in a comparison with Steph. Come on, bro. He's going to be compared to Luka for, for his entire career. That is a lot because we know Luka's the real deal. And I hope Trey is as well. But y'all, I'll be damned if y'all going to make me feel some type of way that I got to choose. If you a Hawks fan, yeah, rock what you got. If you a Mavericks fan, of course, thank the lucky stars that Luka failed to you guys. I get that. But if you're just a fan of basketball, if you're an NBA fan, you don't have to choose. Who made that order? Who made that call? Yo, man, that channel is so irritating. I like, I like them both. I'm an American, damn it. I can choose. You know what I'm saying? I can like tacos. I can like American food. I can like Chinese food. And damn it, I'm going to enjoy it. I can like Luka Doncic. I can like Trey Young and Andre, DeAndre Ayton. And I can hope all three of them have tremendous careers. Y'all can leave that pick aside stuff to the wild, wild west, man. Bama's joke. <sighs> and that's how we're going to end the show. I had to get that out. I have been saving that topic for quite a while. There have been times where I was like, man, you know, I should probably talk about this this week. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do it. Now nah, I couldn't hold it back anymore because it's getting crazy. It's getting insane. This is the NBA. Enjoy all of them. Unless they're the Celtics. Enjoy every single team in the league. And it's almost impossible not to enjoy the Celtics now. I don't even, I don't even know when that started. When the Celtics actually became entertaining and became quite enjoyable to watch. It's a rough time in the Lee household, man. Damn, we need the Knicks to get back to being good, bro. Because I, I find myself pulling for the Celtics now. That's how I know my Knicks fandom is winning. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a rough 15 years for your boy hopefully it's been an enjoyable hour or so for you thank you all for listening to the show remember email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com tweet at me quarterly show on twitter make sure you leave five star reviews five star reviews five star reviews and leave a message right comment on the show i appreciate all the support all the love you guys have given me but let me know via words on apple Podcasts, itunes Stitcher, Spotify, Podknife, Google Play, wherever else you listen to pods. Leave a message, leave a review. Let me, let your friends, let the world know why you like the quarterly report and why everyone should listen to the show as well. Remember, each and every Friday on Instagram at quarterly report, I will be doing another Wire NBA comparison. I have a great time doing it. My most recent one was comparing Thomas Carcetti to Paul George. Find out why I make the comparison and let me know if you agree as well. Again, that's Quarterly Report on Instagram. And as always, each and every Thursday, I will be right back here for another episode of the Quarterly Report. <laughs>